Amen. And let's let's stand for the reading of God's word. We reverence his word. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift up your Bibles with me this morning. Declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I boldly declare, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me read for you. Very short scripture, but very potent in terms of what they say. It says, as in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we stand humbly before you. We come in grace as we approach your throne to find mercy in this our time of need. Apart from you, we are nothing. We can't discover you you reveal yourself to us as we get into intimate relationship with you. We have come this morning, Lord God, for more revelation. Reveal yourself to us. Teach us your ways so we will walk in them. We ask you to open our eyes to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. God, just, just do us over internally and make us more like you. We, we, we block every plan of the enemy in the name of Jesus to cause disruption and distraction in this place. Even for those who are online, God, I pray that there will be no disruptions and distractions in the name of Jesus. And by faith we draw a bloodline around everything connected to this service. From internet to, 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 to laptop to computer, microphone, electricity, everything. We draw a bloodline by faith in the name of Jesus. Every ear will hear. Every eye will see. Every mind will understand. And every heart will receive. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. When we began this series, and we did part one, we said, uh, we, we asked this very important question. Why God shaped you the way he did? We looked at that and said, God is a God of purpose. God is a God of purpose. And everything he made was made for a purpose. Everything God made, there's a purpose for everything that God has created. In fact, how it works is that God 
has purpose, and purpose produces creation. All right? So purpose comes before product. Amen? Every product that is made, purpose was established before. And it is based on purpose that the product is made. Everything that created was created with purpose in mind. Therefore, it was created with purpose and created for purpose. Amen? So everything then is uniquely designed for its specific purpose. How you are is because of your purpose. So what that means if we are uniquely designed for a unique purpose, it means that every single one of us is an original. So I want you to put your hand on your chest and say, I am an original. You get that? You're an original. So don't try to be anyone else because you will be a copy. You were never created to be a copy of anyone or anything. You are created to be an original. So stay as an original. I don't want to be like T.D. Jakes or, 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 or Robert Morris or like Arnett. No, I want to be the original that God created me to be. All right? I mean, not everyone will like my voice, but I'm not going to change it. Some people prefer deeper voice. That's their preference. I prefer being me. The way God made me. So therefore, I'm not a mistake. And you are not a mistake. You're not an accident. What, what is said first week? There may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. Why? Because if God created everything with purpose in mind, the child is not an accident. The parents may be, yeah, many probably accidental parents, I don't know. Or they buck up by accident or get pregnant or got impregnated accidentally in their mind. But as the child, where the child is concerned, that is God's purpose being manifested. So everything about you is perfectly designed for your purpose. Now last week we begin to look at uh, uh, shape, the acronym shape and what it means. And we started looking at the S in it and, and, and unwrapping our spiritual gift. And so we say that you are uniquely shaped for his purpose here on earth and to serve others. So the S is for spiritual gifts. The heart, the H is for heart. A is for abilities. P for personalities. E is for experience. And that speaks to our vocational experience, relational experience, spiritual experience, and painful experiences. All of these things come together to make us who we are for what God made us for. Amen? So what's God's plan for the church? I believe that God's plan for the church has always been and will always be to give every single people in the person in the church a different gift. I don't have my jigsaw today to tell you that every single part, remember, every single part of the jigsaw makes a picture. But the picture was made before the parts were separated. That's how they do jigsaw. They have the picture first, then they cut the pieces and separate them and then say to the pieces come back together so you can form the picture so God had a picture in mind he created a puzzle and we have the puzzle that we need to fit together so we can be God's picture amen so that every person in the church have a different piece or a different gift shaped differently it also means then everybody has a place 
It means that everyone has a role. It means that everybody must get involved. Because if one, the worst thing, remember the worst thing that can happen to you is if one of your puzzle pieces missing. You know how many times I get upset with my kids? Have my big 5,000 piece puzzle. And they play it around. And I've got 4,999. And when I look, the middle piece gone. And I said, Nathan, Jonathan, go find the puzzle piece because the thing don't look good. It means that everybody can contribute. And it means that everybody gets rewarded when the picture is completed. Isn't God awesome? What if everybody said, I know my gift and I am using my gift. What kind of power, what kind of impact would we as a church have on this world? I believe the church would be unstoppable if everybody discovered, dedicated, developed, and deployed their gifts. That's last week, spiritual gifts. This week we're at heart. What is heart? Heart means your interests, passions, desires. It is the emotional component in you. It speaks to your hopes, your dreams, your ambition. That which motivates you to get up in the morning. That's your heart. And please do not say money motivates you to get up in the morning. That would not be good. What motivates you to get up in the morning? What drives you? What excites you? What interests you? Your heart affects everything you say, everything you do, and everything you imagine. What you are on the outside, on the outside is what your heart is on the inside. Your heartbeat, in fact, is slightly different than everybody else's heartbeat in the world. It's different. And God gave each of us a different emotional heartbeat. Some things excite you and other things bore you to tears. But all our interests come from God. Like, I mean, some people don't understand how people get excited about dominoes. Some female can understand. Like, I have, I have my, my, my sports channel and I sent it to one of my dear sisters in the church. And, and she just sat back and said, Pastor, I'm not really interested in sports. But you're doing a good work. She, she really said that. Don't bother send me no more. Come in and read really, a little bit. Really, she was being very cute. You know, Pastor, she was really saying, Pastor, don't bother send me. Because I'm not going to listen to this. This is not my kind of an interest. And I'm, and I'm over here bubbling like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Because that's how God wires us. And that is why even in parenting, you need a ch for a child to be balanced, you need the mother and the father to be different, have different heartbeat. Because if both of them have the same heartbeat, then the child grows up with that kind of imbalance and understand other things. We're we getting this. So we all have different. Have you ever noticed, like, I mean, I've, I've, when mission group, people come on mission group, for example, they will see a dog, what in Jamaica we call a mongrel, running up and down in the street, and people are like running. And so, so why are they doing that? Why, why are they doing that? And, and stuff, and, and oh, why they don't take by the dog too? It's owner, and find it. Oh my God, that dog need be it. And, and I'm like, in the vehicle, I thought, well, that's a mongrel. A mongrel that, that um, right? I mean, you, you, don't, you don't trust stone at that dog because they begin to cry. 
listen. They have a mongrel. And mongrel was in an accident. This is serious stuff. And I mean, they took the mongrel, they dressed the mongrel, put um, split, made, used bone made splint and put some coating over the mongrel face and all of that. Listen. And I'm saying, it's just a mongrel. But they have a different heartbeat. And we need each other. Because dogs would never get the attention that they need. If, it were left, if we, everyone in the world were like me, mongrels are dead for hungry. Come, some of you don't laugh because you do the same thing. Don't, don't laugh at me. Come on now! Give me a good proper dog and I'll take care of it. But mongrel? No. Different heartbeat. Important. So that is why your text says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good, his good purpose. Let me read that for you again. It is God who is working in you, shaping your heart, forming your heart, giving you desires, giving you passions, giving you likes, giving you dislikes, giving you personality. Giving you preferences. It is God doing all of that in you in order to fulfill his purpose. In other words, the reason that God created you for is why he's working on your heart. So you'll have a desire for that purpose. Why is that important? Because Matthew 12, 34 tells us, Out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. So just listen for a while, and you can tell what's in a person's heart. A lot of times, we, try, we believe that we are concealing who, who we are when we're not telling people what's going on on the inside. And we don't realize that the more we talk to people, is the more they know our heart. How do people get intimate? By communicating. The more you talk, is the more you are known. And if you don't talk, nobody don't trust you. So you're going to end up talking and people are going to know you. What's the big idea? The big idea is that when we do what God shaped us to do, we enjoy it and we are good at it. When you do what God has shaped you to do, you will enjoy it and you will be good at it. Don't, you don't have to do everything. But the moment you begin to do what God has purposed you to do, you're going to enjoy it. And maybe you're doing something in life that you really don't enjoy. That's not what God called you to do. And that's why I tell people, don't ever work for money. Work your purpose and money will come to you. If you work your purpose, it will attract money. People who really walk in good wealth and enjoy it, they end up doing what they want to do and people pay them to do it. I'm going to get into this. Let me say it again. You need to do what you want to do. And people pay you to do it. Because you're so good at it. Every person who operates in wealth took what they love doing. And they did it. And they enjoyed doing it every day. And even if money didn't come, they still did it because they enjoyed doing it. But all of a sudden, it started attracting other stuff in their life. When you do what you do, what you enjoy doing, and you're good at it, you'll be blessed. 
there are two attitudes towards your work. One attitude is very simple. It says, good morning, Lord. That, that's some people because they, they are doing what they enjoy. So when I get up, I say, good morning, Lord, because I love to talk. And I started talking for free. But I started talking for free so good that someone said, oh, this boy is a good talker. Let's pay him to talk. The other set of people get up and say, good Lord, it's morning. Me, like one more day in this sad old world with this terrible old job. If I could just remove my life from it and keep the money, I certainly would. <laughs> your heart says a lot about God's will for your life. You can tell that God has put something in your heart because you enjoy it and you are good at it. When you do what you have a heart for, when you do what you have a passion for, you are creative, you are productive, and you are effective. Therefore, the secret of an effective life is to do what we love to do. Your most effective life is doing what you love to do. You see, that word passion is another word for heart. And only passionate people get things done. Only passionate people get things done on a consistent basis. basis. And that is why some people will start out and they quit because they never had any passion about the thing. They were doing it because they were asked and not because they were purposed to do it. You look at Marcus Garvey. Look at Martin Luther King Jr. Look at Gandhi. Nelson Mandela. They followed their passion. And today we speak about them. Above all, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. This is where everything springs from. The problem, though, is that most people have never acted on their God-given passion. They have never acted on their God-given interests. They have never acted on their God-given dreams. We bury them. Our hearts get beat up, bruised, and broken. Feel like our passions are dead. Somebody told you that you're an idiot. Told you that that don't make any sense. That that won't work. The place that you probably work it's probably somebody who followed your dream. Why don't you follow yours? Are you, are you getting to this? You begin to fulfill life when you begin to fulfill purpose. The worst thing that you could ever see is a dog living like a cat. It, it would look so strange. You would not want the dog around. And his best effort as a cat will not please him. And so either way, he loses out. Because if you're not being a good dog, it means that you're being a poor cat. That's how all eyes are. 
how our lives are sometimes. We're trying to be something we're not. And if we just did what God purposed us to do, this is what our musicians do. And it blesses our heart. That's what pastors and teachers and this is what the media people do. And it blesses our heart. When people do their purpose, it attracts wealth. These guys never started out to make money. And when they started out, they were doing it and people were maximizing the gift in them. And they felt like they were being used, but they never stopped. They kept on playing. They kept on learning. They weren't all that good when they began. But as they practiced and as they developed and as they did it for free, they started learning. As some of you don't know that Brother Kawain was actually on the worship team. He used to sing. And he used to come to House of Friar. That's where he started. And when he came to House of Friar and he was playing the keyboard, he wouldn't be playing the songs. He never played the songs, really. All he did was just worship. And, 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 and we're just singing the spirit. And, 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 and he wasn't doing it for any money. But he has gotten so good now that he has contracts to work on ship and in hotels and playing major places that big people. That's how it works. And you look at it now and say, boy, how did money have cars so fast? Because he followed his dream. See, something I'm learning as a parent, that do I want my kid to be what I want him to be, or do I want him to be what God wants him to be? We're living in a world that things have changed. Even church has changed. See, some of the ministries that we used to know won't operate the same way anymore. There's a new set of ministries that are coming up. So where you have to have people sitting in your congregation and, compu and on computers responding to people on your online platforms, communicating with them throughout the service. Those things never used to happen before. They are necessary now. You're going to have to have phones to have prior calls or prior line while people are watching online. Those things never used to happen as much before, but now they are becoming more predominant because things are changing. Because God realizes that there are so many gifts in my people that are not being maximized. And though the pandemic seems like it is all negative, they are good things because it's bringing up the gifting in God's people. Amen? But there are some things, however, that they, they, they really affect us uh, pursuing our passions and our desires. They affect us following our hearts. I call them heart stoppers. And so I'm going to give you some heart stoppers. If, if, if these things are in your life, let me tell you, they're going to stop your passion. They're going to kill your dreams. They're going to kill your interests. So we have to deal with them. By the Spirit of the Lord. We need God to help us to deal with these heart stoppers. Or else they will stop our hearts, stop our dreams, and stop our hopes. Heart stopper number one is a heart stopper called disappointment. Disappointment will keep us from following our hearts. When people get disappointed in life, many times they, they miss God's appointment on their life. Uh, they have this little cliche saying, uh, disappointment is really an opportunity for his appointment. Listen, even the disappointing things in your life, God can use to bring glory to his name. We have been hurt. 
we, when we have been hurt, what happens is that we tend to pull back into a shell and say, I'm never going to let anyone else hurt me. And, and that's a bad idea. First thing, you can't say never. Only God is allowed to say never. People get hurt. Who? No, not me. I'm not going back down that road again. I am not. Listen, I am not going back down. Disappointment says to you, don't try again. Disappointment says to you, no, you're going to fail again. Disappointment says to you, it's not going to work again. Disappointment says that the pain is going to be worse this time. So don't even attempt it. And many people give up on God new thing because you're stuck in the old thing. Because of disappointment. Many people refuse to move into the new because you're still disappointed about the old. And if you want to walk out your passion and your dreams, you have to help ask God to help you deal with the disappointments in your life. When you live like this, it means you're not, you're not living. You're just existing. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes the heart sick. Meaning, listen, when, when, when you have hope for a good life and it doesn't happen, oh my God, it makes you feel so sick. You feel like you're going, you need to give up on life. But don't give up. Because once there's a God, there is hope. If at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. Amen? If at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. Some of us fail even at our fourth try, but we try again. It's a part of it. Not because it failed last year mean that it's going to fail this year. Sometimes things don't happen because it was the wrong time. It don't happen because we weren't mature enough. We did that before. So not because it didn't work then mean it won't work now. Don't let disappointment stop you. The second one is fear. Fear will keep us from following our heart. You remember the parable of the talent? That one of them said it. Listen, I fear that I would lose it. So I did nothing with it. And they were called wicked aunt and ungrateful. Don't let fear paralyze you. What if it don't work? What if I make a mistake? What if I fail? The scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a son mind. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear causes us to bury our talents. That's what this guy did. He was so fearful. He said, I'm going to bury it, so when you come back, you will have it. So what kind of nonsense is this? I gave you something to be a blessing to you and blessing to others that you buried. Think that was good? How many of us are burying the gift of God? Because we are afraid that it will fail. And then we come to church and we sing, you have never failed me yet. Contradicting our own faith. No, for some of us, it is fear that keeps you from attempting that goal. 
Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. That anxiety used right there is talking about fear. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes fear. In the heart of a man causes depression. When you're fearful, you're going to walk in depression. It's going to depress you because you won't be able to do anything. You live in the same marginalized world. Fe Listen, fear is such a powerful emotion. Not only that, but fear is a spirit. And we understand. The scripture says, for well, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is not just an emotion. Fear is a spirit that opposes God. When you're walking in fear, you're walking in an evil spirit. See, I have not given you a spirit of fear. I'm going to give you a good example. I didn't share this in the first service. My son, um, somebody gave them these these fancy lights in their room, LED lights that blink on and off and stuff. He gets up um, because, uh, like I said, my wife is not there, so the, the younger one got up sleeping in my room. The older one, he got up, and they didn't see him, so he got scared. Now, I, I've given them all the scriptures. They read, they know the Timothy scripture, they know it by heart. So he, he, he got up, and he saw the lights turned from green to orange. And he ran out and he was screaming. And I went to him. And he said, stay away from me. Stay away from me. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. Stay away. You're a werewolf. Don't come near. All right? And I had to, I had to sit with him and talk with him. All right? And I pictured that. And I said, that is what fear does to us. Fear even causes us to push away those who will help us. When you walk in the spirit of fear, even the people who are supposed to intervene in your life, you want to push away. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Amen? Number three, heart stopper. Guilt. Guilt will keep us from following our heart. We cannot be guilty and go after our dreams at the same time. Guilt is terrible. You can't be guilty and following your dream because every day you feel like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of this. And you feel shame. When you're walking, because guilt is similar to shame in this case. If you're walking in shame, you can't walk in your purpose. The psalmist says this in Psalm 40, verse 12. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. There are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. So the psalmist was saying, man, I am, because of evil and sin, my iniquity, I am so shameful that I even afraid to lift up my head. I have to keep my head down. Because of that, my heart failed me. Stop walking in shame and guilt and condemnation. For now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reproach has been taken away by the Lord Jesus Christ. Guilt takes up enormous amount of energy. It's like carrying a big weight. Regrets of your past and shame, all of that. You, can't, you cannot be confident and guilty at the same time. And it takes you can't be shameful and confident. You cannot be shamefully confident. Are confidently shameful. 
So maybe you have done some sin. Maybe some terrible things have been done to you. Listen. The past is the past. And who the sun sets free. is free indeed. I walk in the spirit of God. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new person. All things have passed. There's no shame. You can't bring it up and shame me. Because God has set me free. So I walk in confidence. In the finished work of Christ. Jesus. Jesus was nailed to the cross so you can stop nailing yourself. He was hung up for your hang-ups. He died for all your sins so you can be completely forgiven. He paid for them so you don't have to, you don't have to pay for them. So stop beating up yourself because they did beat him. Everything you have ever done wrong has already been paid for by Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Number four, heart stopper is bitterness. Bitterness will keep us from following our hearts. Bitterness is the worst heart disease. When you become resentful and you're always thinking about how to retaliate and get revenge, it keeps you stuck in the past. And so many people are stuck in the past because all in their head, listen, uh, anytime I get my money, you see all my father would never mind me. You see all my mother. You see all the one day. They want, and, and listen, all their whole life is, is they're trying to get things in resentment. They are bitter. Listen, the thing with bitterness is that bitterness don't hurt other people. It hurts you. So bitter people, because of bitterness, Normally cause everything in your life to be bitter. And bitter things eventually die. And that is why bitter people always lose them stuff. Because they are trying to, always trying to prove stuff with their stuff. Because they are bitter. They felt hurt so they want to retaliate. Because they are different. you don't have to have physical retaliation. You can have bitter retaliation. Why, why did you buy that kind of car? So them can know that me better off than them. If people operate like that, listen, they're trying to be better off than the person who they're bitter against. Instead of, they, instead of they move from bitterness to betterness, they're trying to use bitterness to be better. I, I hope you're hearing this because I don't want your heart to be stopped and your dreams not to be fulfilled. And your purpose and your calling not to be walked in. You can't get on with the present or the future because you are so hung up about the person that hurt you. Let it go. They don't deserve it, but you don't deserve forgiveness either. Psalm 73, 21 to 22 says, Thus my heart was grieved and, and I was vexed in my mind. And I was so foolish and arrogant. I was like a beast before. The psalmist is saying, hey, then do me some things, you know. When they finish working with me and, and start treating me bad. Listen, I was so grieved in my heart. All my mind vexed. And God, when I came before you, I was like a beast. The, the psalmist is repenting because he realized that his bitterness was affecting his relationship with God. Bitterness is like driving... And looking in your rearview mirror. 
What is your rear view mirror? Your rear view mirror is that mirror in your car that you look at it to see what is behind. And if you keep looking in your rear view mirror, you'll crash. You're going to be in an accident. Better people look through the windshield. Bitter people look in the rear view mirror. As you drive through life, what are you looking to? The people in our past can't hurt us anymore unless we allow them to. The way we allow them to is by rehearsing the past in our mind. Amen? Number five, heart stopper, is rejection. And rejection will keep us from following our hearts. Now, rejection is a very funny emotion because many people um, experience rejection even uh, prior to their birth. So while they were in their mother's womb, uh, for some persons, they say a child can be affected by, by rejection from that point. If the parent um, don't, you know, don't, don't say, I love you and you know, have thoughts of getting rid of the child and giving them up, all of those things can eventually affect the child once the child is born. And so how do we deal with rejection? It's very simple. Even if your mother and your father reject you, you have a father in God. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You have to walk that God has accepted me for who I am and how I am. And he loves me so much does he, that he doesn't want me to stay the way that I am. And I'm saying that even if your mother rejected you, your father rejected you, a husband rejected you, a wife rejected you, your children rejected you, you have a father in God who loves you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise over your life. Psalm 64 verse 3 says, They sharpen their tongues like sword and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. Words can be like that when people begin to speak them and they begin to tell you, you're worthless. You're never going to amount to much. You'll never be successful. You're not good. You're not good at that. You're not good at this. You are uncoordinated. You are this. You are that. You are worthless. All kind of things. People say you're like this person. You're like that person. And they try to make you feel rejected. And many of us actually live in those things. I, I kind of find it amazing. That God says more about you than what any one individual has said about you. In fact, it's kind of funny that you know that everything that God says about you is true. But too often we choose to believe what we know is a lie that people say about us. So somebody says you're not coming out to nothing. And you know it's lie. And God says you can do all things through Christ. And you choose to believe the lie over the truth. So here's what you need to go back and erase that tape. That means we need to stop building our lives on what people have said to us and start building our lives on what God says about us. He says, I made you, I formed you, I shaped you, I planned you, I have a purpose for your life. I gave you spiritual gifts, natural talents, and I put certain passions in your heart. I made you unique and I love it when you do what I made you to do. You don't have to please anybody else. So some of you, you're probably you're thinking or you're probably watching, you're thinking, if I could just be perfect, then I'll have everybody's approval. 
My mother will love me. My father will love me. My husband will love me. My wife will love me. My parents will love me. My children will love me. Oh, my church members will love me. My co-workers will love me. They will all love me. You know what happened to the last perfect person? Let me tell you a little story about him. His name was Jesus. And he was perfect. And you know what they did to him because he was perfect? They killed him. So you need to say, thank God I'm not perfect. Because people don't like perfect people. Because perfect people show them up every day. <laughs> I don't know, man. You can't imagine the pastor was perfect and come here. You get rid of me a long time. Every day you come in here talk with your perfect, perfect. I show up, I show up. I like, like you come, you come preach about our sin. You know, you know, do nothing. Dead you for that pastor. That's why they killed Jesus. Listen, some of those people, you have been trying to get their approval for years. Guess what? You are not going, let me, let me tell you, you are not going to get it. No matter what you do. Give them all the money they're asking for. They're still going to hate you. I'm telling you, they're still not going to like you. Change all your color. Change from brown to black, from black to brown. Put on weight and get round. Or get, they're still not going to like you. Because that's how people are. The truth is, though, but you don't need it. You don't have to have their approval to be happy. Don't give up on your dreams and your passion. God says, let me reshape your heart. Colossians 3, 23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Don't try to please people. Please God. Amen? Amen. Because this life is preparation for the next. And God is watching. So I'm pleasing God. Because I'm preparing for the next life. The better life. I don't just live my life for this life. Because this life is for time. And one day I'm going to move from time to eternity. And I need to prepare to live in eternity. I'm not preparing to live on earth. I'm, 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 I'm in my 40s now. I have around 28, 27 more years left. Before I'm supposed to leave. By God's grace if I go that long. I'm telling you. So I'm, 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 I'm on speedy preparation. For the next life. Making sure my passport and my visa is stamp sealed. I, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm, listen, I, I'm putting my luggage together, my Bible. I'm packing my prayers. I'm packing my devotions and my worship and my praise. I'm packing my suitcase. Because I want to make sure that when I'm going through customs, no illegal substance are there. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm preparing. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Whenever they call me and say that your flight departs, I'm saying, I'm ready. Suitcase fuck. I don't know about you, but that is the life I'm preparing for. Amen? Hallelujah. But, but how do we work with all our hearts when our hearts hurt? When our hearts being beat up are bruised are broken, are battered around. We do five things. We're going to close with these five things. 
the first thing we do is that we open our hearts to him. You have to open. Rejection, hurt, bitterness, guilt, any of those things, you open your heart to him. You need to open your heart to Jesus because nobody can change your heart like Jesus. No man, no woman, no money, no position, no prestige, no power can change your heart. Only Jesus Christ can. Why? Because God gave you a heart. And he has placed in you some passions. He has placed in you some desires. He has placed in you some dreams. God put those in your heart to make you you. But unless they're under his control, they, they will be misused. And he wants you to bring them. And that is why many people are misusing their passions. They are misusing their desires. They are misusing their dreams. Why? Because they are not under the control of the one who gave them those things. You see, there are millions of passionate people with talents, interests, and dreams, and ambitions that are being misused and abused. We know that we see it every day. Because they are not under the control of the Almighty God. And so maybe you don't feel passionate about anything right now. Maybe you, you're in this church or you're watching online and you say, well, I don't feel passionate about anything right now. What it means is that you are disconnected from God at this moment. Because you cannot be connected to God and be dispassionate. That is why worship is, is such a powerful thing. Here's why it is. Because the passion of worship is not what comes in, it's what on the inside that comes out. Worship doesn't get into you. Worship comes out of you. And that comes out of you because you have a relationship with God. And that is why the intimacy of your relationship with God determines the intimacy of your worship towards God. Amen? So before the singers sing out, your song is already pouring out. Because one thing, with, listen, is... is the closer you are to a woman, is the more passionate you become with her. That is why they say, listen, don't be close to someone of the opposite sex if you're married. Because closeness in relation causes passion to be built. So if you don't have any passion, just maybe you're not close enough to God. Come on now. The closer we get to God, the more passionate we become. When you spend time with God on a daily basis and you get close to him, you can't help but be passionate. You start having a heart for what God has a heart for. You feel the things that God feels. You know the thing that God knows. You understand me? You, 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 when God cries, you cry. You hear people talk. That has to do with your heart. And that is why there's this scripture, um, this word called enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. It comes from this word, uh, two words in the Greek, N-E-N-T-O-S, T-H-E-O-S. And that entheos means in God. In other words, enthusiasm comes from being in God. When you are in God, you are enthusiastic. That's where it comes from. And so Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. 
God is standing at the door. He's not going to push it open. He says, you must open the door. So today, all you have to do is open the door of your heart and let him in. He wants to come in. He is standing at the door without your invitation. He came standing. But to come inside, he says, no, I've made the first step. I've come to your house. I've come to your doorway. I've knocked on the door. I'm standing here knocking, but I'm not going to open it because I've done all the first move. I've done the second move. I've done the third move. The next move is yours. Open. Second thing is that we have to let God heal our hearts. Sometimes we think marriage is going to heal our hearts. We think a better job is going to heal our hearts. We think, you know, just money is going to heal our hearts. No, 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 no. The truth is that everyone here has had their heart broken in some way. The good thing with a broken heart is that God says, the word of the Lord says, the Lord is close to the broken hearted. So if your heart has been broken, listen, the good news is that God is even closer to you. It's almost like God is saying, you're, you're hurting, I'm right here. I'm going to come and stand with you. Listen, I, I, I was close to you, but now because you're suffering from a broken heart, I'm going to get even closer. And that is why I always tell people, listen, the place you want to be when you're going through heartache is in church. Come on now. You, you want to be around God. You want to be around God because God wants to be around you. Because God understands that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God understands that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God is interested in making sure that while you're going through your heartache, he's there to keep your heart straight. How, how, does, he do, how does he do that? He does it. How does he save us? How does he heal our broken heart? He gives us a heart transplant. Listen, God don't fix your heart. God don't mend up your heart. He don't patch it up with different pieces of material. He does a transplant. You know what a transplant is? A transplant is they take out the one that is there and put in one and they do away with the old one. Hallelujah. So, so you're feeling guilty? God does a heart transplant give forgiveness. Feeling resentful, he does a heart transplant and give you peace. Feeling anxious, heart transplant, he gives confidence. You're feeling lonely, heart transplant, he's full of love. Anger and bitter, heart transplant, he says, oh, you, uh, you're forgiven. He gives you love, he gives you generosity, and he gives you kindness. We all need freedom because we have all been enslaved. Enslaved by the expectation of others. Enslaved um, to past memories, enslaved to future fears, enslaved to current pressure. But God says, don't worry about that. I will do a heart transplant. Feeling guilty right now? God says, let me do a heart transplant. I will heal your heart. I will forgive you. Whatever it is. I love Psalm 119 verse 32. Come on, just lift your right hand with me. And repeat this with me. Say, I run in the path of your command. For you have set my heart free. Come on, just, just say that again. For you have set my heart free. I want you to hear that one more time. For you have set my heart free. Hallelujah. It means that, listen, whatever heartache you're going through, whatever brokenheartedness you're going through, God will set your heart free. The healer 
is ready to hear. Amen? The third thing is that we listen to our heart. You need to listen to your heart. Sometimes we are just too busy. We don't have time to listen. I don't know if you know Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stephen Curtis Chapman is one of those gospel singers that was very popular when I was a teenager, along with people like um, uh, Rich Mullin and those guys, and Chris, you know, Chris Tomlin. Michael W. Smith wasn't that big that time. Um, Ray Bowles and those guys. Back in those days. Some of you older Christians may know some of those guys. But he had this song, and, and, and part of the lyrics in the song says this. Well, the day has just begun, and I am already running late. With too many irons in the fire, and too much on my plate. I'd be pulling out my hair if I could just get one hand free. And I would stop the world if I could find the key. The man was busy. Like some of us. And so because we are busy, we don't have time to estimate ourselves with proper estimation. We don't have time to listen to our heart. The scripture says, as God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. This is a warning. Listen to it. Be honest in your estimate of yourself. Listen to your heart means be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Romans 12, 3 says, Father, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with your faith. Faith, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Right? So think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, what do I love to do? What do I dream of doing? Ask yourself these four questions. What fascinates me? Where have I been most effective? That's what I mean by, 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 by listening to your heart. Ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Maybe you're doing something that you really don't. There are people who are doing jobs that they hate. And they will tell you, we're doing it for the money. It's unhealthy. It's because it's affecting your heart. Listen, you can't operate under the principle of honor doing something that you hate. You can't. In other words, you have to honor. God is not going to give you something that you hate. You're going to think like, oh, no, but, but I don't. You, you may not want to do it. And he will still put in a position to do it. But God is not looking to give you what is worse for you. God is looking to give you what is best for you. And here's a principle. If you're working in a place that you hate the people you work for and you hate the job you're doing, you can't operate under the principle of honor. And the scripture teaches that your servant must honor their master. So you have to go back and see God. And say, God, do you need to reposition me physically? Or do you reposition me spiritually? Because maybe God needs to change your spiritual perspective. So you can start love what you're doing and give honor where you are. Or you need to reposition you logistically by moving it from where you are. And bring it to where he wants you to be. Because you could be in the wrong place. But you could have the wrong attitude. A Amen? I saw the scripture, someone gave it to me this week, and I said, listen, I have to share the scripture. Proverbs 2, verse 2. It says this. So train your heart to listen when I speak, and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. 
train your heart to listen when God speaks to you and open your spirit wide and expand your discernment so you can know what God is saying. Number four, we look at our options. Proverbs 19 verse 2 says, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the day. Zeal without knowledge is, is, is a serious thing. You have to get knowledge, so you have to look at options. You can't be hasty. Don't jump to the things. Don't rush to the things. All right, Rome, they say Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes some time. Evaluate, estimate, talk to people who have experience. Just because you love to do something doesn't mean you're gifted to do it. Not because you love it. Listen, I love to sing. <laughs> I'm not gifted to sing. Amen. Not because you, you love to do something mean that you're gifted to do it. No. Not because something looks good mean you won't be bored in a month. So you need to research. You need to read. You need to ask questions. Get advice. You need to pray. Get a mentor. How do you start? Talk to people who are already successful in what you'd like to do. Read widely. Study. You can't get up and go and say you're a doctor and start giving people injection and all those things. You have to study. It's the same thing. There are some things that you want to do for God and you have not studied. You have not asked questions. You have not researched. You have not volunteered. Bounce your ideas off your small group. But get advice, man. Get mentorship. Get leadership. And that is why Hebrews encourages us in Hebrews 10.25. The, the, there's an encouragement in there for us. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. The reason why we are together is so that I can help you. I can say, listen, I, I tried that and I know it didn't work for me. If you are going to do it, maybe you should consider it this way. Don't just get up and say, well, the Lord speak to me and God speak to me. So right, you know, brother, can we and leave your keyboard and go and go your business and play? Can you play the keyboard? Well, God said he's going to train your fingers to play. Well, then you better make God train your fingers before you touch the keyboard. You, you understand me? You can imagine, like, I say, hey, Brother Kevin, I mean, come. You, you play guitar, brother. People think like church is like that, you know, like everybody's supposed to do everything. Brother Kevin, this week you play the guitar, and Brother Wade, you play the, the bass. Hey, 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 Sister Jean, you come play the drum this week. And um, Sister so-and-so, you preach, right? We are changing up everything this morning because God wants everybody to do everything. No. People understand that when it comes to those things, but even with preaching, you know what people believe? That everybody's supposed to preach. How many times you go to church and people leave because they don't get to preach? You ever hear them say that? Listen, I mean, how, how they not change up the drum on them? How want to see a preacher every day? You ever hear everybody say, how come I didn't see a guitar player? Why is the preacher all we have to get cheap? Eh? You ever hear everybody come and come and say, every day I better carry you play the guitar. Where did I make Pastor Ray play the guitar? Pastor Ray can play the guitar. Like God not give gift to Let them hear somebody say, God is. And they say, hey, you can't preach, you know. Why pass up and give a chance to preach? See, that's the value for small groups. Because in our small groups, 
we get to bump things up. And maybe you're a very good speaker. And maybe God wants you to speak, but He wants you to write your thoughts and write devotionals for the church. You, you understand me? Because there's somebody doing. You just never know. Maybe God wants, maybe you're a very good teacher. And God said, listen, create a children's program for the children in the church so we don't have to get material from other people. Right? Maybe, maybe you, you really have some good worship ideas. And God is saying, just write them in a song. Write them in songs until your church can start singing original songs. It doesn't mean that you have to sing. C come on now. Maybe you can be the person who God says, you prepare all the discipleship material for the church. That, that, that thing you have on gifting, put it in teaching material. Create a booklet. And then when new believers come, you say, listen, I want to give this to you so you can learn about giving. Listen, you want to be evangelist? I've prepared this. I've prepared these five steps to help you in evangelism. Maybe that's what God wants you to do because not everything is a sermon. But everything needs to be taught. But it don't have to be a sermon. And because you don't get to preach, you don't use the gift. You don't want, listen, you don't want to use the gift. You want to use the pulpit. You want to use the platform. Come on now. I know this because I was doing other things. I thought I'd have been a very good worship leader. But I can't sing. And I'm not Kirk Franklin. So it, it could work. So I figured, well, if I'm not Kirk Franklin, I want to be a worship leader, and I can't sing, but I have an ear for music. Maybe I need to help to make music sound better. And so I started working in the sound booth. Because I understand the sound of music, but I can't sing music to help to make the sound of music better. And that's worship. all the equipment in the church set them back up and make this sound better and I've never done anything in engineering I use my ear for music and have the spirit of God and that is as holy as me standing here and preaching a sermon the final one is we need to launch out in faith if you're going to follow your heart you have to launch out in faith if he puts it in your heart to do it and you go ahead and do it, God is going to bless you. I know we're past time, but these are three very good examples. Recently, I started this sports channel and I just knew that God just wanted me to start it. Just start it. When I started it, it wasn't the best quality. I didn't know how to do it. I had to call people and ask them. But I did the first video. It wasn't the best quality. It wasn't the best sound. But someone saw it. And when they saw it, they said, listen, we have this TV thing that we're doing. And we have been trying to find sports content. Can we use your content? And I said, sure. And so they take my content and they fix the videos and the audio and make it look high quality. They put fillers before it, right? So may have seen it. And 
noted on their TV channel. All right? And if you go on YouTube and you look at it, the quality is good. Here's what that taught me. I'm going to give you two more examples. We're going to close. Is that unless I started, then I wouldn't get connected. It simply means that there are some sins and there are people already in position waiting for you to begin doing your dream so they can get connected to your dream. The reason why your dream hasn't grown is because you have not been bold enough to step out in faith and try. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Some of you know my brother run a company in Canada. He does catering and he makes some products for distribution. And how he started was he knew he had the gift. He started cooking and inviting people to his house in Canada. And he would feed them for free. And he invited people from the church. And somebody tasted the food and said, man, the food is so good. Man, this food is so good. And he went to the church to some jerk thing they were having at the church. Not for jerks, but to jerk, right? <laughs> goes, he goes to the church. He does it. And he wins the competition. Winning the competition caused everyone in the church to get happy event to invite him. If I tell you the banks, the business places, he entered Canada Jerk Fest and he won it. This is a big jerk fest. Thousands of thousands of people jerking all kinds of stuff. He won it. But here's the thing. Unless he started, those doors would not have been seen. They were always there, but he needed to start singing. Why haven't you started? People are waiting on resources to start. When you start and you launch out in faith, resources will come. You see, no fish were in the net until they were cast out in the sea. The walls didn't come down until the people start marching. Goliath didn't fall until the rock hit him. You have to start. Lazarus didn't, listen, Lazarus didn't comfort until Jesus made a song. Unless you start, you won't see. You have to launch out in faith. And there's going to be a fear factor. If you start, you're going to fail, people will say. There are always going to be people who say, don't follow your heart. David's brother said it to him. He said, go back. Who are you? What do you think you can do? There are always people, even in the camp of Israel, there are people, mixed multitude in them, saying, let's go back, because this is not possible. There are spies who went over and said, no, we can't get that land. There are giants over there. But delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, for when we start living our hearts, significance will be more important than status. Meaning, more important than money. And purpose, more important than prosperity. The most prosperous time in my life was when I was walking out my purpose. Like now. See, I suffered financially until I began to walk out my God-given purpose. So the psalmist says, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain 
a new wine above. I mean, I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray with you. If you're watching online, nowhere past time, but I want to pray for you this morning. And I, I want to encourage you just as you stand just with your eyes closed, I want you to lift your hand. Uh, even if you're in your living room, if you're in a bedroom, you're lying on your bed, I want you to just stand to your feet and with holy reverential fear, just lift your hand before the most holy God. Come on, everyone in this room. Which of these heart stoppers have been stopping you from following your heart? Is it disappointment? Is it fear of guilt? Is it resentment? Is it hurt? Is it ridicule? So Jesus Christ wants to unclog your heart today. For he says in John 10, 10, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. So with your hands lifted, come on, just pray with me. Say, dear Jesus Christ. Come on, don't be afraid. Say, dear Jesus Christ. I open up my heart 100% to you today. You made it. You know what's in it. You know all about it. I open it to you. Say to him, you have been knocking at the door and today I invite you to come into my heart. I ask you, dear God, to heal my heart where it's been bruised and broken, battered around. Would you heal the scars of disappointment and fear and guilt and rejection and bitterness I am asking you to give me a new heart today help me to listen to my heart to discover what you made me to love and be interested in and the dream that you gave me in my heart help me to look at all the options once I know, help me to launch out in faith and to trust you. Today, I say, my heart is yours. I have been shaped to serve you. And I want to do that for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just clap your hands for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, God is about to move you from where you are to where you really need to be. Look for new opportunities as God opened major doors. And new things for this this season 
this season is a new season in your life. A new season in your life. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the week. See you at Bible study on Wednesday. The worship team is going to take us home with a song of praise.